Well, today we're continuing our series called Learn from Jesus, and we're going to be looking in this series at different teachings that Jesus gave as we go through the Gospel of Luke. Now, oftentimes when people read the things that Jesus taught, there are what some call hard sayings. And hard sayings usually aren't things that are difficult to understand. They're things that Jesus is telling us that are difficult to apply, to put into practice. Hard sayings. And so today, my message is entitled, Love Your Enemies, which I would consider a hard saying. Easy to say, but hard to put into into practice. So when we begin to think about this, and we're going to get into exactly what Jesus said in a few minutes, but when we begin to think about loving our enemies, we first have to define who is my enemy. Some of us might say, well, I don't have any enemies, Pastor Dan. Uh, I have no enemies. I'm a really nice person, and I get along with, with everybody. But as we go through the Word of God today, we're going to see that we all have enemies. In fact, we have lots of enemies, even though we might not recognize them as enemies. We might not realize that they are enemies. The dictionary defines an enemy as someone who is actively opposed or hostile to you. Someone who is actively opposed or hostile to you. The word enemy or enemies is used some 30 times in the New Testament in the uh, ESV version that we're using today. So let's begin to look at what the Bible has to say about enemies so we can understand it better. Philippians 3.18, and these verses are written out in the middle of your bulletin uh, insert. You can follow along there. It says, For many whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And so these verses speak of a group of people called enemies of the cross. And what are their characteristics? Well, we see them there, but the first one is telling, is it not? Their end is destruction. They're talking about people who are not yet believers. People who are unbelievers are enemies of the cross. And we all were enemies of the cross before we were saved. Paul makes that clear in Romans 5.10. It says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. So perhaps you never thought about that before, but each of us, whether we were saved at a young age or at an older age, We were enemies of the cross before we were saved. And God saves people who are his enemies. And what does he do when we're saved? He turns us into children of God. He turns enemies into members of his family. What a wonderful transformation. Now, the enemies of the cross follow not Jesus, but they follow the enemy, Satan. Jesus, in one of his parables, talks about, in Matthew 13, 39, it says, the enemy who sowed them, his tares in the wheat fields, is the devil. And so the devil is the enemy. And so we have two, as it were, armies in the world today. There is the army of God, 
made up of believers across the world, and we are following our commander, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have another army in the world, the army of Satan, which consists of all unbelievers, whether they realize it or not, they are following the enemy, Satan. And these two armies are in warfare. So how do we as believers battle against the enemies of the cross? It's not by hating them. It's not by hurting them. It's, it's not by killing them, but by loving our enemies. Loving our enemies. And how does that win the battle? But when we love our enemies, the enemies of the cross, we love them into the kingdom. We love them and many will become saved, become part of the family of God. And so as followers of Jesus, as people who love the Lord Jesus, God has called us to transform enemies of the cross into brothers and sisters in the family of God. So today we're going to talk more about what Jesus talked about, about loving our enemies. Easy to say, not so easy to put into practice. Why is it hard to put into practice? Well, what is our natural response to enemies? People who hurt us, people who say bad things about us, people who oppose us, people who harass us. That's not to love them. It's to hate them. That's the natural response. To do back to them as they've done to us. But we must learn to love our enemies. We must remember that once we were enemies and God loved us even though we were enemies and brought us into His family. So to love our enemies, <clears throat> we need to do good to haters. Luke 6, verse 27, Jesus says, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. So in the previous verses that we talked about last Sunday, we learned that when you are a follower of Jesus, you're going to be hated. That's one of the consequences of following Jesus. You will have enemies. In fact, Jesus warned us, if everybody speaks well of you, that's not good. Woe to you if everybody speaks well of you because something is wrong. People, everyone is not going to speak well of believers. Jesus said, people are going to hate you. They hated him, they're going to hate us. And so now Jesus tells us, as his followers, what we are to do with our enemies. He told us, when we are persecuted, when people hate us, when they say, tell lies about us, we are to rejoice. He says, because we are blessed. Not only are we to rejoice when we're persecuted, but we are to love our enemies. Now, when Jesus told us to love our enemies in the Greek language, the Greek word for love in this verse is agape. And agape is used for God's unconditional love for us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us when we did not love him. He loved us when we were fighting against him, when we were rebelling against him. And so this kind of love, agape love, is not, a, is not a feeling. It's not a feeling of affection. It is an active love that reaches out to do good for those who hate us, to those who are our enemies. 
Now what Jesus means here by doing good for those who hate you will be explained in more detail as we go through his teaching today. He goes on to say in verse 28, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So Jesus gives us some practical instructions of how to love our enemies. To love our enemies is to return good for evil. We receive evil, we return good. If somebody curses you, what are you tempted to do back? Well, to say something not so nice, right? Maybe not curse, but to say something not so nice back to them. Rather, we are to bless them. If someone abuses you in some way, we are to pray for them. In Jesus' day, this striking on the cheek was a, a form of insult. It wasn't really an attack trying to kill you. It was an insult. And he's saying rather than insult the person back, we are not to retaliate. Offer the other cheek also. If someone is in need, somebody takes something that is yours, be generous. To be generous in return. He goes on to say in verse 30, Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Those we be who beg from us, we are to give to. Those who take from us, we are not to demand the return. And Jesus finishes with what is often called the golden rule. It's what loving our enemies is all about. However we would like to be treated, that is how we should treat other people. Our natural inclination is to return like for like, right? If somebody does something bad to me, I'm going to do something bad back. I'm going to take revenge in one way or another. If somebody loves me, I'm going to love them back. That's our natural inclination. But that is not true love. We mustn't treat our enemies the same way that they treat us. We are to return hate with love. Much easier said than done. Now as I was thinking about these verses I was wondering why more of us, myself included, are not facing persecution for our faith. Sometimes we praise God. Praise God we're not facing persecution in America. But why are we not facing persecution in America? Jesus faced persecution in Israel from religious people of all kinds. How often are we cursed or abused or insulted or hated for being a follower of Jesus? Not very often, I think. Last Sunday, Jesus told us that we are blessed when people hate us. Do we really believe that? Or do we not want to make any waves in our lives? We want everybody to love us. Everybody to speak well of us. 
I believe if we want to see revival in our time, if we want to see people saved, if we want to see people healed, if we want to see God move in and through our lives, we've got to follow the example of Jesus and His disciples. And why were they persecuted? Because they were bold witnesses for Jesus. They spoke the truth. They spoke it in love, but they spoke the truth. Even though it upset people. When we start to tell others about the gospel, not just as one way to get to God, but as the way, the only way, it will upset some people. When we start telling people that not only does God love you, but God is calling on you to repent, to turn from your wicked ways, it's going to upset some people. When we tell people that there are only two destinations in eternity, heaven and hell, and if you don't believe in Jesus, you're headed for not heaven but hell, it's going to upset some people, isn't it? But just as the Bible shows us, along with some people being upset, along with some people hating us, some people are going to believe. Some people's lives are going to be changed for eternity. And we're going to see more and more of that happen. Woe to us again. According to Jesus, as we saw last Sunday, when all people speak well of us. But when some hate us, we are to rejoice. As we do good to them in return. Do good to haters and God will bring many more into his family. We are to love our enemies as we follow the Father's example. Jesus goes on in his teaching in verse 32. He says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who also love them. So Jesus is going to address our natural inclinations, which are not godly. We have a strong tendency to, to return love to those that we experience love from. And that is conditional love. Of course, the, the opposite comes naturally to, to hate those who hate us. But conditional love is what all the sinners do. If somebody treats them nicely, they're going to treat them nicely back. If somebody does harm to them, they're going to seek to take revenge on the person who did it to them. He goes on to say, to make his point even clearer in verse 33, And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. And so we are to be different than the sinners around us. We are to be different than the world around us. We are to love our enemies by being givers doing good and right for them, even though they don't deserve it. And he tells us that when we act in a way that is different from the sinners around us, what is that going to do? It's going to make us stand out. 
It's going to make us stand out in the crowd because we are acting differently than all the world around us. And that actually is a good thing. Jesus tells us positively in verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and land expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So when we obey God's command, when we love our enemies, when we give and not expect things in return, God says He's going to reward us. We're not going to end up poor. We're going to end up richer because God Himself will reward us. He's going to reward us in this life and He's going to reward us in eternity. Catch the last phrases here. When we Love our enemies. We're going to be acting like who? We're going to be acting like the Father in heaven. It says he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. The enemies of God. He is kind. There's another scripture that says the kindness of God leads people to repentance. He's kind to those who are his enemies. So we don't take our cue how to live from the people around us. We are not to follow the crowd. Jesus said the road is wide that's leading to destruction, but the road is narrow that's leading to life. We are to follow Him. We are to follow those who are walking with God, who are loving their enemies. We are to follow our Father in heaven's example. As believers, we are His children. And we are to understand how he treats people, and we are to do the same. Now, to follow our Father's example, we need to remember, I think it's important for us to remember again, we talked about this already, that we once were enemies of God. I mean, sometimes we have the, especially if you were saved at a young age, you may have the tendency to think, I've always been a good person. You know, I've never done bad things. I've always been walking with God. But the Bible tells us that each of us was once an enemy of God. It was God's kindness that drew us to Himself. And as enemies of God, we, we deserved to spend this life and eternity without Him. Whether you were saved young or old, you were a sinner. I was a sinner. But God, Loved us. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And he drew us to himself through the Holy Spirit. We are not believers today because we are such good people. But because of God's grace and God's mercy. And so to follow the Father's example we must ask for his help. To share his truth to our enemies around us. And so we are surrounded by enemies. We are surrounded by unbelievers in the world. They outnumber believers in the world. The Bible tells us that's the way it is and it sounds like that's the way it's always going to be. And they are captives of Satan. They are unwittingly serving in his army. And the vast majority don't even realize it. But as we seek the direction of the Holy Spirit to take opportunities to act differently than the world, to love our enemies, 
to return good for evil. God's going to open doors for us. And we're going to see more and more people impacted through our lives. People saved, people healed, people delivered as we follow the Father's example. We will reap what we sow. Verse 37, Jesus says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So these final verses of Jesus here are this, an amplification of the golden rule that we've already mentioned, that Jesus has already told us about. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So Jesus gives us a couple of examples here of following our Father's example. We are not to judge or condemn others. If we judge or condemn others, we are going to be judged and condemned. What does it mean to judge or condemn someone else? It means to, to judge perhaps that they are sinners and that they are in this hopeless state and, and there's no hope for them. And so we should just leave them alone. Not show God's love to them because they're just a hopeless mess headed for hell. That would be to judge and condemn someone. Why will we be judged and condemned? Because we're not acting like Christ's followers if we do that. We're acting like sinners in the world. Rather, we are to forgive those who do evil. We are to hold out hope for them. Because if they repent, if they put their trust in Jesus, they can be saved and become part of God's family. We are to forgive those who do evil and hateful things against us. We must never say, I could never forgive that person. We must forgive others because we have been forgiven. In fact, Jesus told us quite bluntly, if you don't forgive others, your father won't forgive you. That is not a good thing. We have to forgive others. We must forgive others. As we forgive others, the Lord will forgive us. And so we see this spiritual law of reaping and sowing illustrated here. If we sow negative things, such as judgment, we'll reap judgment. But if we sow, sow godly things like forgiveness, we're going to reap forgiveness. Forgiveness from God, first of all. And most of the time, forgiveness from other people. If you're kind to other people, you're going to reap some kindness back. Not from everybody, but you're going to reap some kindness back. If you're loving to other people, you're going to reap some loving back, even from other people. Verse 38, Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put, poured into your, or put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So this is the result of giving. Uh, again, this is the, the spiritual principle of sowing and reaping. When you give, you're going to receive back. Whether you're giving to other people or you're giving to God, it's going to come back to you. Whatever we give, God will resupply our need. He's, we're not going to give and be deficient. We're going to give and we're going to reap more in return than we gave. 
God will resupply our seed. The more that we give, the more that we will receive. For with the measure you use, Jesus said, it will be measured back to you. You use a, a big measure. You're generous in giving. God is going to use that same measure to bless you back. Oftentimes, we turn the principles of sowing and reaping around. We think, you know, if God would just give more to me, then I would give more back to him. If just that person was nice to me, then, then I would be nice back to them. God calls on us to take the first step of faith. Give to God. Give to others. Believe God's promise. And He will give back to us. He will bless us. You will reap what you sow. Galatians 6 verse 7, which is not up on the screen, says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Now, the verse begins with the phrase, do not be deceived. Why is that phrase there? Because a lot of people are deceived. They don't believe that you're going to reap what you sow. Many people are deceived about that principle. We're deceived in thinking that we can sow something wrong and receive something good back. But it never works that way. When someone is mean, hateful, unkind to us, we're tempted to pay them back. And sometimes we might think, if you're like me, I'm not going to say anything really bad back. I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. That's how I'm going to get after them, you know? I just won't talk to them at all. We're tempted to seek revenge in one way or another. And then, what is the result of that? We're not going to reap blessing. We're not going to reap blessing from God. But when we love our enemies, when we are kind to those who are unkind to us, that's hard to do, isn't it? Then we are going to be blessed. Then we're going to reap blessing from the Lord. And as, as I said before, oftentimes our, our love and kindness will be used by God to bring people into his kingdom because we're acting differently. So often we want to fit in with the crowd. God doesn't want us to fit in with the crowd. He wants us to be different. He wants people to see there's something different about that person. They don't respond like everybody else. And that draws people to find out why we are different. We look for our reward. We look to our reaping, not primarily from other people, but from the Lord. And He's going to reward us both in this life and in eternity we're going to reap what we sow. And so we are to show our love to everyone around us. God has put each of us in a different circle of friends, a different circle of workmates, different neighborhoods. We're to show his love to everyone. We know it's easy to love those who love us, but we are to love those who are our enemies, those who are hostile to us, those who are not believers. And sometimes, sadly, we may even have enemies from others who are believers, but they're not living a particularly godly life. We need to be kind to them as well, that God would move in their lives and change. The key is to do good to who, whomever seems to be at odds of us. Remember, we are to follow our Father's example. He is kind. 
that even those who are evil, his kindness leads people to repentance. Believe that promise. Say, oh, it's so hard to do. It's so hard to be nice to people who are not nice to me. Believe the promise. You're going to reap what you sow. From God and your kindness and your love to those around you is going to change other people's lives. As we learn to love our enemies, our enemies will become our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ. What a wonderful transformation. To become a child of God, we need to admit that we've sinned, we've done wrong, we have not been following our Father's example, we believe that Jesus died on the cross that our sins might be forgiven. He loved us when we were still his enemies. We invite him into our lives and we commit ourselves to following him and his example all of our days. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. If you never prayed a prayer like this before or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to Christ this morning, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Say something like this. Father, today... I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things in my life. I haven't been following the example of Jesus. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe you rose from the dead and you're alive today. And I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. And Father, today we... Thank you for this teaching of Jesus about loving our enemies. Forgive us for the times that we have not loved our enemies or those who have not been kind or nice to us. Forgive us for the times when we have returned evil for evil, unkindness for unkindness. Help us to do good to those who hate us, to those who don't like us, to those who irritate us, to those who are not kind to us. Help us to do good to them, to love them as you loved us. Help us to realize that we, we must follow our Father's example. And yes, one day there's going to be judgment, but in the meantime, in this day of grace, you pour out your blessing on even people who are your enemies. You draw them to yourself through your kindness and help us to follow your example. Help us to forgive those who hurt us. Help us to forgive those who do wrong against us as you have forgiven us. And help us to truly understand and embrace this principle that you have put in your word over and over again that we reap what we sow. Help us to sow righteousness. Help us to sow kindness. Help us to sow love to those who we think really don't deserve it because we didn't deserve your love. Help us to love our enemies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you made a commitment or a recommitment today, I'd encourage you to 
Uh, if you're here in the service, check a box on the back of your Connect card so we can pray for you. We have some materials out there in the foyer. If you're watching online, uh, you can contact us and we can uh, get these helps to you as well. Next Sunday is Mother's Day, and we're going to have a special Mother's Day message called Jesus and Women, uh, how Jesus interacted with, uh, with women in his day and what that tells us about how he interacts with moms today. So we encourage you to come back for Mother's Day and invite uh, some friends as well. Now at this point in the service, we're going to have a, a brief time of, for healing prayer. We're going to be praying for healing in your own lives or for people that you know need he, God's healing touch. Our scripture today is from Acts 14, verse 8. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. He sprang up and began walking. God is a God who heals. He heals things that are impossible for doctors or people to heal. He did it in this account in Acts. This was not Jesus. This was one of his followers, Paul. He does it today. And we believe that even things that look impossible, God can do. So we're going to pray, and we encourage you to reach out in faith as we begin to pray. Just lift your hand in faith as you pray for somebody in your life or yourself that you need God's touch on your life. You need God's healing in one way or another. So let's pray. Father, today we thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today we reach out to you. You are our healer. Nothing is impossible for you. Things that look difficult to us, things that the doctors can't treat, you can bring healing. You can bring restoration. We pray for those who are need healing in their own bodies, God. We pray for your touch on them, even this morning as we pray. We pray for your Holy Spirit to touch them with the healing power of God. In Jesus' name. We pray for wholeness. We pray for restoration. We pray for the relief of pain. We pray for full function. In Jesus' name. And today we also pray for healing in relationships, God. Where people may be at odds with someone. A relative, a neighbor, a friend. We pray for healing in that relationship. We pray that you would give whoever is in the sound of my voice the courage to love. To love those who are not treating them lovingly. And we pray that that love would break through the barrier and that relationships could be restored and made whole once again. That those who are far from you would be brought back to you. That those who are not believers at all would come to believe in Jesus and that brothers and sisters in the Lord could have unity with one another once again. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. 